Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score. It's National Signing Day, Part 1. Missouri just wrapped up their first uh, first round of signatures on the 2021 recruiting class, high school recruiting class, and uh, it was a good one. So far, if nothing changes, Missouri is top 20 in the nation, something I never thought we'd be able to say. Huh. Um, B.K., how are you feeling today, man? I am feeling overly optimistic, man. The foundation has officially been laid. Um, I was talking with a buddy earlier today, and they were like, the one thing that sucks about recruiting is how many of these guys are actually going to see the field next year? Yeah. We were kind of talking about it, and I was like, yeah, I I get where you're coming from. I totally understand. But also, like, the, the foundation for the 2013 and 2014 season started really like 2010 2011 2012 right that yep. those were the classes that became yep. what the 2013 2014 seasons were and that's hopefully what this becomes and I, I don't know where we're gonna go from here but right now top 20 class best we've seen from mizzou since rivals has been doing this this is this is what it would look like if there was a foundation that was laid by the new head coach absolutely i when i was writing up the recruiting piece for today i went back and i was like yeah I know 2010 was the best at 21st, and I was like, that class featured James Franklin, Coney Ely, Jimmy Hunt, Marcus Lucas, EJ Gaines, Matt Hook, and I was like, you know what? Nope, just everybody that started in 13. That's <laughs> that's what the 2010 class was. Like, literally everybody, from Lucas Vincent to Bud Sasser to Marcus Murphy, 
Eric Waters, like Darvin Ruse, like everybody, everybody was in that class. Everyone that you can possibly think of. So uh, this is, yeah, this is it. When we look back on, um, well, I'm not going to jinx it or anything, but if you look back at a possible division run or an SEC championship team, uh, you would be going back to probably this class and seeing those pieces coming through. Tyler Macon, Travian Ford, Kyron Montgomery, Dalen Carnell, Dominic Lovett, Dodge Butts, Arden Walker, like these guys, you know, the ones that make it are talented enough and working with a coach who we think can develop it and can at least deploy them on the field correctly uh, that you're going to look back on this class finally and go, yeah, it all started right here. Yeah, this is this is what it takes. You, you got to get some four stars. They got what five of them in the mm-hmm. end, the same amount as they had over the last four years combined. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. Like that, that that is where it all begins. And when you're doing that at the most important positions, ding ding ding, that's how it starts. Like you got a quarterback, you got a receiver, you got two defensive ends and a defensive back, all four stars. How do you win in college football? How do you win in football? Frankly, now it's by throwing the football, catching the football, affecting the passer. And those are the spots that they got those high four stars at. And that's that's how you win in today's game. Even Alabama, how are they winning? It's with receivers, corners, defensive ends, and quarterbacks. Yep. So at Mizzou, you got to be able to do the same thing. Yep. The the era of uh, a, the, a, a strong defense just strangling the life from other teams to a championship of any caliber, no. No such thing anymore. The era of running to win that that died twenty years ago, but certainly it's not now. You know, the running every aspect of the football game is important: running game, defense, passing, all that stuff. But when you're looking at efficiencies, when you're looking at ways to win, it's just so much more efficient to pass when you have the ability for moving down the field via pass interference or scheming up ways for receivers to run routes to open things up, uh, to have a mobile quarterback to start running when those receive when those receivers are covered and providing a steady ground game when all that falls apart like you need all of these things to click but there is no dominant theory other than it's way easier to pass now especially with the rules in place uh and that's that's where we're at we'll probably see a swing back at some point obviously this sport's very cyclical but yeah when you have a four-star quarterback four-star defensive ends a four-star receiver and high three stars of the running back like that that is your core that is your core of a championship caliber team and man can they play in our bowl game? Can we just go ahead and do that now? <laughs> I I think that's frowned upon. Uh, however, <laughs> it, it does seem like a lot of these guys are going to end up signing, obviously signing early, and then I think quite a few of them are planning yeah. to enroll early as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that, it doesn't hurt for next year for them to be able to be on campus for whatever spring ball ultimately looks like. Yeah. I think, you know, the takeaways for this, for this recruiting class, there, there are a number of ones that you can take back. But I, I want to touch on one story in particular, and, and actually for the most recent commit, Dominic Lovett, who uh, flipped last Friday. And, and I think this story is indicative of modern recruiting, but also just what this staff can do as far as recruiting. So rewind the clocks a little bit. The big, the big guys coming out of East St. Louis this year, Tyler Macon, Dominic Lovett, and uh, Keontes Lewis. Uh, Lovett and Lewis were receivers. Obviously, we know Macon's the quarterback. But those are the big three guys. And Missouri pushed them really hard. They were they were in on them pretty early and really wanted them to come. Obviously, we got Macon uh, earlier in the process. And Lovett and Lewis were in the conversation. And they Lewis uh, committed to UCLA, and Lovett committed to Arizona State. Now, COVID hits. 
the state of Illinois says that, hey, college or high school football is not going to be played in the fall. It's going to be played in the spring. Well, Lovett, Lewis, and Macon, they're all boys, right? They're all good friends. They decided that they are going to skip out on their spring season. They're going to enroll in whatever school they're going to go to in January, right, right, right at the end of the year. Uh, they're going to graduate from high school, enroll at their respective schools. Missouri took Macon, arms wide open. UCLA took Lewis immediately. Arizona State told Dominic Lovett something different. They said, eh, you know, we don't really want you to enroll in January. We would prefer if you enroll in August, in the fall. And, I mean, if you are Dominic Lovett, you're probably going, huh, I'm a four-star blue chip receiver out of state wanting to come to your school, and you're telling me, not yet? Not yet. And what I love is that this staff in particular, I'm sure all staffs do it, but this staff in particular was already in his ear constantly talking to him every day. Yes, he was committed to Arizona State, but they're still having conversations with him. They're still talking to him. And who was there when Mr. Lovett was rebuffed by Arizona State? Drinkwitz and his friends. And less than 48 hours later, Lovett flips his commitment from Arizona State to Missouri, signs today, will be on campus in January. That is effective college football recruiting, and that is something that I don't feel like we have seen in previous staffs. I don't think Barry Odom was doing that. Like, Hell I'm just, no. I'm willing to say it. Um, it, it. I don't think that was something that they felt was right. They didn't like it when other people did it to their recruits, and they didn't want to do it to other people's recruits. And morally, like, God bless them for it, right? Yeah. I, I, it, it's it's cool that they were willing to go that route, and, like, there was once upon a time, I'm sure, uh, that was probably the way that the majority of people recruited. That is no longer the case. Like, this is a cutthroat business now where if you don't win enough, you're fired, and ultimately, mm-hmm. we saw what happened to Barry Odom. Uh, recruiting in the SEC is unlike recruiting literally anywhere else in the country. Uh, That might fly in the Pac-12. That might fly even in some places in the Big Ten. It does not work in the SEC. And if you're going to be able to recruit at a top 25 level, you've got to be willing to do some things that feel a little slimy. And so maybe that means talking to a kid that's currently committed to another school that maybe has a 10% chance of flipping. Well, that means one out of the 10 guys that you're talking with might flip to you mm-hmm. if you just play the odds, right? And so maybe there were nine other dudes that Mizzou was doing the exact same thing with that they did with Dominic Lovett, and none of those guys flipped. But they got the four-star receiver out of East St. Louis who did. <laughs> and so that makes it all worth it, right? And in the end, that's what you're looking for is one or two of those guys that give you the chance to do something special. And if Dominic Lovett ends up becoming a really good player at Mizzou, this staff's going to deserve a ton of credit for the way the route that they were willing to go with him. And by the way, I watched a lot of film on a lot of these different guys yesterday, um, and we'll get into some of my takeaways from that. But Lovett's a really interesting player. I He wasn't quite what I thought he was going to be going in. Like he's, he's just stylistically a little bit different. Right now, he basically runs three routes. Like He runs a go, he runs a post, and he can do <laughs> any kind of screen that you want with him. Yeah, That's kind of it. <laughs> he doesn't run like the most advanced routes right now which is totally fine he's a high school player that's going to come in and that's probably going to be his role just run really fast and be a punt returner for us he can do that right away um but i think eventually the re- the the spot that they're probably going to want him he plays a lot in the slot 
Um, and I think one of the reasons why is he's not a very big dude. He's 5'10", a buck 70. And I think he could play a similar type of role to what you're seeing right now from Jalen Knox. Um, but do so a little bit more downfield. I think he's going to add a downfield presence that Knox hasn't yet. And that's that's kind of the role that he fits for them. He's a playmaker. He's good with the ball in his hands. And he's really, really fast. So he's he's a fun player, man. And they're better for having him, for sure. Versatility. That's another thing. You know, we go back to Odom's teams. Drew Locke, deep ball. Emmanuel Hall, nine route. Uh, Demario Crockett, like, speed on the outside. Like, Everybody we had were just kind of one-trick ponies that weren't developed to do anything else. Not only is Eli Drinkwitz bringing in guys who have a little bit of range, like Dominic Lovett, who can, you know, is squirrely, can run down the field, can bounce in the slot, can return kicks and punts and stuff like that, but he's probably going to make him better too, if I had to guess. So, and it's so much better to develop four-star talent than two-star talent. So it's just, I don't know. Lovett in particular was just a very encouraging story to me. And, and you hear th- stories about, recruiting in the SEC and kind of getting to your point about SEC versus Pac-12. Nick Saban was, is, was notorious for um, not only having his staff make their recruiting calls in the building where he could watch them and check in on them, but also put their call logs up on, on a screen to start their morning meetings and say, all right, here's your, here's your recruiting activity. What's going on? And it's accountability, right? Uh, there's a lot of coaches, I guess, who let you, take your recruiting calls at home. Uh, Mario Cristobal over at Oregon, mm-hmm. he was under Saban's staff. Now, he, he, was a, he was a Miami, University of Miami player. He bounced around SEC staffs for a while, but he was on uh, Saban's staff as an offensive line coach for three years. He goes out to Oregon, and I, I'm kidding you not, the Pac-12 coaches are pissed that he is there because he is bringing an SEC recruiting mentality to the Pac-12. Oregon has been recruiting at a top five level the past couple of years. They've never done that. And they're poaching kids from L.A. right under USC's nose. They're poaching kids from Phoenix, right where Arizona and Arizona State set up shop. And they're like, what is happening? But that is what he's doing. He's holding his coaches accountable, making them make their calls, making them be active, staying in touch with kids, and flipping them late. And it's a cutthroat SEC style being brought to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 hates it. But guess what? If you want to win on the recruiting circuit, this is how you do it. And I'm telling you, Eli and his staff, they know how to recruit at an SEC level. And Tiger fans, you should be very excited that he can. Yeah, look at where a lot of Mizzou's uh, assistants have come from, right? A lot of them have footprints, if not in the SEC, in the South, in the Southeast region, right? And so they've seen it, whether they've been a part of it or they've seen it firsthand where other teams did it to them. They know what the game is. And if, if you're, if you're going to get in, into these waters, you got to be willing to go for it. And that's, that it, it appears that that's what Missouri is willing and able to, uh, uh to do right now, uh, by the way, to put a bow on Dominic Lovett here, hmm. uh, just in terms of the player, don't be surprised if he starts a punt returner next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we need one, man. We need one. I love Kate Musser, but he's not, we need a punt returner. Yeah, they, they, they need a guy that can be back there that's a little bit more dynamic, that can bring a little something more than, than fair catches. And again, that was a win this year, given where we started from. Um, yes. Yes. But if they can get a guy back there that has a little bit of dynamism, I, I think Dominic Lovett's the type of player that can do that, as long as they can trust him. And yeah. he'll be a freshman, we'll yeah. see. He's got to develop um, at, at the college level. But if he can, if he's capable of catching the punts, which sounds so crazy to say, but... <laughs> Easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, I think he's. I think he very well may be your starting punt returner next year. 
I, I take it. And whether that means he's in the starting rotation at receiver, you know, whatever, that's that's fine. We'll, we'll I don't take... think he will be for what it's worth. I, I don't either, but this is a great way to see the field early. So, Absolutely. Um, get get that get accustomed to the speed and the and the just kind of live game film and getting hit. So like, yeah, that's that's going to be important for him to to acclimate quickly. So, yeah, it's feeling good. You know, I've I, I've never taken recruiting all that seriously, and that might might be a byproduct of me growing up with the Pinkle years where, you know, most of the time they're in the 40s and I knew that he would make them better a couple of years down the line. So I was like, oh, cool, these are going to be fun. I got less, ex- uh, you know, even less excited about recruiting once we got into the SEC and just <laughs> continued to have. That's not fair. The first year was fun. DGB, that was fun. Okay, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> and Evan Bame, I'll give you that. Um, but, you know, 41st, 34th, 46th, 49th, like, okay. I, I, like I said, that first year was really fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, just ignore all the other ones. But it's just, it's. I'm actually starting to turn around on recruiting. Like, that's 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 the magic that Drinkwitz has. Not only can he cancel out Mizzou curses and make notable alumni who talk about it on Twitter incessantly eat their own words, he also made Nate Edwards excited about recruiting. If that's a win, uh, that's about the highest win I could possibly bestow upon him. So we talked a little bit about the love it flip. How about the other one that happened earlier today? We're recording this on Wednesday night, of course, on National Signing Day after uh, we believe all of the um, letters of intent have been sent in outside of two. Yeah, B.J. Um, the Harris. two guys that we're still waiting on. Yeah, B.J. Harris and then Juco defensive end Shamar Pearl are the two that right now, as of recording, haven't really seen any updates on them yet, but those are the only two that have not come in that are um, publicly committed to Mizzou. So those are the two that we're still waiting on. Big news earlier today, though, Nate, Arden Walker, defensive Man. end, 6'4", 250, mm-hmm. out of the Denver area. Had, when you look at the desk, right, I remember the Ennis Rakestraw uh, situation as well. Rakestraw had the Texas, Alabama, Mizzou hats, and he picks the Mizzou hat. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is a little Man. different. I'm not used to this. Heck yeah. Walker wasn't quite to that degree, but he has UCLA, the in-state Colorado, mm-hmm. and Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like basically nobody had a read on this. From everything that I had read publicly, Everybody, I saw some people say UCLA. Some people said, eh, he might stay with Colorado. Prior to the day of, there was a little momentum for Mizzou, but nobody really had a good read on it. And he picks Mizzou. And this is a hell of a get for Eli Mm -hmm. Drinkwitz. I know that Walker had a really good relationship uh, with Mizzou's defensive line coach, and that certainly helps things here. But full credit to Eli Drinkwitz as well for keeping that full court press on all along, despite the fact that I don't think a whole lot of people outside of Columbia had a ton of uh, belief that they were going to be able to land this kid. Arden's dad and Ryan Walter's dad played at Colorado at the same time, apparently. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, I believe Arden like grew up wearing Ryan Walter's jersey or something like that. Interesting. So like they they are they know each other really 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 well. And then Brick Haley comes in. Brick just must be like the coolest dude in the world. I wish I could talk to him at some point, but like everybody loves Brick. He's a um, really good guy. Yeah. So like obviously he's he's a dynamic personality and he he talks to Arden too and he's gonna be his position coach. So like this is this is super cool. But like go back to gosh, when was I talking? I was talking about this back in July. Uh, remember when I broke down the Denver area and the Chicago area and like all that stuff and who's who's had success where 
you go back and Colorado kids sign with Colorado more often than not. Wyoming's in there too, kind of vacuuming up the three and two star kids. Colorado State has some success, but overwhelmingly, anybody in Colorado, specifically Denver, goes to the University of Colorado. And Eli Drinkwitz came in and said, hey, we're making Chicago, Colorado, Dallas, and the state of Missouri priority recruiting beds. And what does he do? He goes out and gets a kid from Colorado. I was on uh, Ali Tro's podcast earlier today with uh, Sterling Holmes, and Sterling made an excellent point. He said that during the Odom years, Odom was great at talking the talk but never backed it up with a walk. And here we are in year one. And Drinkwitz says he's going to do something, and then he freaking does it. And it's like, this is so, you don't see this. This doesn't happen. It certainly doesn't happen in Missouri, but you don't see this happen. And yes, it's only one kid. I get that. But the fact that he made it a priority and then got some kid out of it, probably flipping him from Colorado to Missouri, that's a big damn deal, you guys. It's a huge deal, and he's a good player. Like it, it's something different entirely if it's a two-star, five-point-three rated recruit out of Colorado, right? Yeah. If it's just some Joe Schmo that other guys weren't recruiting heavily, he's a real legitimate prospect um, who has every reason to believe that he's going to be a good player at the next level. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it through that perspective as well, and there were other teams that really, really wanted him. Well, that makes it all the more important that Mizzou was able to get. I mean, if you look at his offer list, man, Michigan, Michigan State, Texas, UCLA, Wisconsin, Mizzou, Iowa, Iowa State, Colorado. I mean, he he had offers from all over the place. How many of those are real versus who knows? But we know at the very least he had committable offers from Colorado, UCLA, and Mizzou. So he's a heck of a player. Um, who appears to fit what is a really significant need, of course, from an area that Drinkwitz said that he was planning to recruit really hard. It's a big commit. Uh, the, the commits of Arden Walker and uh, Dominic Lovett are the two most recent ones for this class, and they're probably the two most telling of the diversion from where Mizzou was previously in recruiting to where they are today in terms of the way that they're going about it. Yeah. He's also a player after my own heart. Uh, apparently, Drinkwitz and his staff were sweating it out today. It's like, I'm not sure we're going to get him. I'm not sure gonna, we're going to get him because they weren't able to get him on the phone last night. They are going to have a call, <laughs> talk about his his commitment and what he was going to do, and he didn't take their call last night. And uh, in his press conference today, Drinkwitz said that he was feeling really pessimistic about it. Uh, he's like, why isn't he giving us a call back? Why isn't he talking to us? Folks, Arden Walker fell asleep. <laughs> Fell asleep when uh, Coach Drinkwitz decided to call him. I know, I just, man, I love those types of stories. <laughs> Who knows what kind of player he's going to be, but he was chill enough and confident enough in his decision to take a nap right before one of the bigger decisions of his life, and I am all about that life. You got to love it, man. And like you said, if he does become a good player, that's going to be one of those, probably to the annoyance of a lot of Mizzou fans, that will yeah. be told during every Mizzou football yeah. game. Kind of like You're Charles right. Harris, where he, yeah. well, his was the uh, the boxing, right? The basketball Boxing player. and basketball. Who was yeah. the boxing player? Uh, or the, the, the boxer? I don't remember. But there, there was another Kale Garrett. Kill Garrett was the, you know, walked uh, the, or yeah, hiked the Grand Canyon by himself. Yep. Um and previously committed to a um, to Navy a yeah. service academy. Yeah, that was a big one for him. 
yeah, they get these little anecdotes and they don't let them go. Um, remember when? Oh, who was it? Uh, Christian McCaffrey plays piano. Like that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay. <laughs> and any tight end had a had a basketball background. Yeah, right? that's the go to, yeah. right? Yeah. God, just well. Hey, if he's a good player, he's on the field, and he's making plays, and they're talking about falling asleep. I will make that sacrifice. Hell yeah. That's fine by me. So we are we're sitting here, like you said, Wednesday at eight forty in the PM. Uh, currently sitting at twentieth overall. Obviously, you know some kids. There's going to be a whole slew of kids that sign uh, at the beginning of two thousand twenty-one. So that can have an impact. Uh, obviously, whether you know Harris or Pearl sign up, whether Drinkwitz decides to look at maybe a couple of JUCO kids or late blooming high school kids, or goes the transfer route. Transfers are not going to impact. Uh, the recruiting class, but JUCOs and high school kids will. So, like, there's there's a lot of movement still to be had. But regardless, sitting here today, having the 20th best recruiting class and recruiting more blue chip guys in one year than you have in the past five, is is just an incredible start for what Drinkwitz is trying to build here. And as long as that translates to more victories and long term building and development, like this could be the start of something special. And that's I think the magic of uh, National Signing Day. Absolutely. It, it's hope. It's hope, right? In the NFL, if you have a team, whoever it is, if things aren't going well for your team, the day that you get to have the hope is the NFL draft. For college football, the, the NFL draft of college football, basically, is recruiting. And this is how your team takes it to the next level. You, in, you get an influx of talent every single season, and you hope that they can build into something better than what you had previously. Uh, one name that I don't want to lose sight of, by the way, Nate, because I mentioned earlier how many of these guys are actually going to play next year. Probably not a ton of them. Uh, EJ and Doma Ogar is the OU transfer on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident he's going to play next year. So <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they, they're going to have a need, uh, and he, from everything we've seen, is pretty darn good and was a hell of a recruit coming out of uh, high school as well. That, that is somebody that does not count, like you said, in the recruiting rankings, but was a really, really significant addition nonetheless. Kind of like Kiki Chisholm um, mm-hmm. and Damon Hazleton last year. And Michael Maietti, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how we're going to dole these scholarships out. If Harris and Pearl decide to sign, I believe that puts Missouri at 80 scholarships. We can be at 85, so there's five more to dole out. I don't know if Drinkwitz has any – incentive or intent to sit on those for a full year i kind of doubt it but we'll, we'll see what he does first transfers, transfers. <laughs> hey there's some big impact ones out there and and you know with the senior class if i remember correctly the the seniors who stick around their scholarships do not count that's correct yeah. towards 2021 so yeah it'll be really interesting also the, the other side effect of this very stupid rule you have you know the seniors sticking around, so they're you know super super seniors, but that also means that this freshman class merges with last year's freshman class. Mm-hmm. So both Brady Cook and Tyler Macon will be freshman quarterbacks in 2021, meaning they will graduate or they can graduate 2025. What does that mean? Why am I bringing this up? Well, and Connor Bazelak, by the way. <laughs> well, he's a redshirt. He's a redshirt, so he's one year older. Sure. But. But we'll but, still be at redshirt freshman. We'll still be a freshman. <laughs> yes. So what you're looking at though, as a as a pure freshman class, you're going to have 32 guys, mm-hmm. and the let's see here, the, the class that would graduate in 24 
is eight dudes currently. <laughs> so as far as roster management goes, you kind of need some transfers and JUCOs to balance everything out because there's going to be this huge bubble of a class moving through at the exact same time. And obviously there's going to be transfers away. I was about to say, we know how this works too, though. That yeah. Some of those guys will end up becoming depth pieces. Some of them yeah. will get buried on the depth chart by next year's class, which is good. It means they recruited yep. over them. Um, yep. and, and you'll see transfers just like we did this year. Yeah. So there there are things that can happen. It's just the really quirkiness of this season is that you have a 32-man freshman class, true freshman class. So anyway, we have got all these guys coming in, and I tasked BK with the arduous but fun assignment of finding finding the guys. What are, Who are the dudes in this class? Who do you like the most? And so he went into the film room, broke it down. You saw him on the Twitter going through the film, and uh, – I just want to talk about what you saw here and figure out who is impressing you the most coming in from this freshman class. Okay, so let me start out with this. Tyler Macon's really good. You, you, you guys know that, though, right? Like, every Mizzou fan is really excited about Tyler Macon, the quarterback out of East St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So I didn't include him in the piece because everybody knows that he's really good. You already know what you need to know. He's, he's athletic. He apparently is an unbelievable leader. Um, Eli Drinkwitz made mention of that multiple times earlier today during his press conference. Tyler Macon's the player that you think he is, and he has every opportunity over the next few years, if he develops the way that people think, uh, to at least compete with Connor Bazelek for the starting job, whether it be next year, probably not, but a couple of years down the road, he absolutely could compete with him. So he's really good. You know that, though. So I didn't focus too much on him. Travion Ford, uh, as I went into the film room, He's the four-star defensive end out of St. Louis. I I don't think he's ready the way that I would have expected hmm. for yeah. a four-star. Um, he's a little light right now. He's 225 pounds. He needs to add bulk. I think he's got all of the potential in the world, and I think that's why he was rated a four-star. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's probably a couple of years away, at least, from seeing significant action. Um, he, he's a guy that I would love to see when he's fully developed, but right now I'm just not sure he's ready con- to contribute right away, and that's okay. So we keep going down some of these four stars, and I wanted to mention a few of these guys. We had already talked about Dominic Lovett. The guy that I found that I really like is Dalen Carnell. Yeah. Defensive back out of Indianapolis. He's the first. He was the first Indy commit since Pompey Coleman back in 2017. He's 6'1". He plays all over the field. He plays a lot in the slot. He lines up outside. He's a willing tackler. He made some plays on the ball. If I were to guess, like, which of the defensive backs, and they have a million of them, can come in and play right away next year, I think it's him. Um, He's the one that seems the most ready to go right now. So if I were to make a claim of, like, hey, which one of these guys actually can come in right away, I think it would be Dalen Carnell for me. I mean, he's also coming into a position where it's going to be Jarvis Ware and some freshmen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's definitely room. And I love Ish Burdine. He has done well while being pressed into service. Obviously, Enos Rakestraw is going to be around for at least two more years. But outside of that, there's really not anybody else. So he is talented, and he's coming to a position of massive amounts of need. So, man, if you come out, you know – game one of 2021 and maybe it's uh enos rakestraw dalen carnell starting corner situation super young but getting the lumps in early what do you think 
I don't think he'll be starting outside. I think you'll probably see him in some sub packages first. Like, he, mm-hmm. he really did see quite a bit of time inside. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Dalen Carnell early in his career um, getting some of those slot, nickel, dime type of packages mm-hmm. um, and then working their way in that way. So I don't think he'll be outside right away. I think you'll see, still see Jarvis Ware above him. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if later in the year he gets a little bit more time outside, maybe by his second year getting more starting opportunities, more significant steps outside. But he's a guy that can definitely come in and play, in my opinion. At least based on the – all of this is limited sample size, of course, based sure. on the videos that we have publicly available. But from what I saw, he was the guy that was certainly the most ready to play of the D-backs. Yeah. Now, obviously, Missouri has a very long and proud tradition of tight end you, And that's been oh. a little absent, you know, kind of spots here. But – if you go go all the way back to to Martin Rucker and Chase Coffin, or even before that, like there's been some good tight ends, and I know you felt pretty pretty strongly about one Mr. Ryan Horstcamp. Dude, this is my guy. This, this is my guy. guy right here. Um, yeah. if you like big tight ends, and I mean big tight ends, he's six four. He's two twenty five is what he's listed at right now. He can get bigger. He's got a really really solid frame. If you like big dudes that have some serious ability to go up and get it. This is your guy. Like, they could run um, fades all day long where they just throw it up to him and he high points the ball right over the defender. He he is so much fun to watch, man. He made some seriously athletic grabs. There was one play, like, back-to-back plays in his highlight film. He mosses a defensive back, (laughs) and then on the very next play, he's running a crossing pattern, like what you would see from, like, one of Mizzou's slot receivers. He's running a a crossing route, and he's able to, with one hand, like kind of slide and catch it with that one outstretched arm. It it's really impressive what he's able to do. Um, I I didn't expect to like him the way that I did, but man, I it's really hard to come in right away and play as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Nico Hayes kind of done that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Horse Camp is that how we're saying it. That's how I'm saying it. God, okay. I hope I'm right. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in right away and plays. He he's got wow. that kind of potential, man. He's a he is a really good player. It looks like he can block a little bit as well, which which is huge in this offense. So I, I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't appreciate a blocker, so he needs to do. I don't that. think he's going to overtake Daniel Parker Jr. But as one of the second or third tight ends that's getting in in some of these sub packages that they love, he can play, man. He's a really fun, really athletic guy that can come in and do some things. Well, that's good. I I was surprised that uh, Drinkwitz took two tight ends in this class. I kind of figured, you know, we had five. We'll probably have six next year. So, like, that's that's a lot. But if he sees the talent and and he's watching what you're watching, then, yeah, I'm excited to see – uh, horse can't get deployed. Now, obviously, we've 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 talked about the four stars, and we got some highly rated three star kids who are highly coveted by Alabama and, and the like. But there's also, you know, there's also some three stars who are some projects, uh, mm-hmm. and a couple guys who are new. Is there any anybody who's like, oh man, he could do well, but maybe just not yet? Yes, uh, Davian Sistrunk. He is a cornerback who has played football for like a year and a half. Um, he he is out of Florida. He's 6'3". He's got unbelievable <laughs> vertical ability. Like this dude, you you know how sometimes you can just tell a guy has a basketball background? That's him. <laughs> yeah. um, 
He's yeah. really fast, really smooth, really athletic, has pretty decent ball skills, although could get better with his timing of jumping for the ball at times. <laughs> um, but he he has ball production. He has a ton of pass breakups. He has a few interceptions. He looks good after the uh, after he does intercept the ball. He's had some pretty decent runbacks. The thing is, he doesn't really know what he's doing. (laughs) You can tell, like, he needs a lot of work. A lot of work. But every tangible skill that you could want out of a corner, like, again, six foot three, and he plays outside corner. That is, (laughs) you don't find dudes like that. Especially guys that are really smooth at the position. Like, you can find taller, kind of lanky guys that are a little stiff but you don't find smooth athletic six foot three corners they, they don't exist so mm-hmm. when you find that guy with really good speed you can coach up technique you can't coach up those that that talent you can't catch mm-hmm. up uh, coach up those traits i love them taking a shot on him um it reminds me it's it's different because it's not quite the same in terms of like what the projection is because he's a little higher rated it reminds me a little bit of like charles harris right where oh, he had, wow. he had yeah. all of the skills, all of the raw ability, but went under the radar for a million different reasons that we've all heard so much about. Um, and then just worked his butt off and became the player that ultimately we saw at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of work, and I have no, I don't know the person, right? So I can't tell you whether or not Davion Sistrunk is the guy that's going to be in the gym when nobody else is. I don't know. But if he is... He's got that got the potential to be a really special corner, but it's it's going to take a ton of work for him to get there. I think uh, my favorite player of this class, not just because of the name, but just the way he plays, is Taj Butts. Uh, when he committed back in, I was like, gosh, it was like April, I think. I was so freaking excited because I, I had <laughs> seen that kid play, and I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. You know, you get an awesome running back with the last name Butts. Like this is perfect. Uh, Please tell me that he's good and that we're going to love him. So his high school coach compared him to Josh Jacobs. Um, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> he's big, like yeah, deceptively big. He's 5'11", 190 pounds, and he runs like he's not 5'11 and a buck 90. <laughs> like it, it's weird, man, because he looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he gets the football. Um, I played at Blue Springs in high school. I graduated in 2011. And any Missouri guys, any Missouri people from the Kansas City area will remember the name Darian Miller. Um, He was the running back at Blue Springs whenever I was there. Uh, Graduated with him. Unbelievable player. One of of the best high school football players I've seen. Um, And Butts is different in terms of he's he's bigger and stronger and more physical than Darian Mm -hmm. was. But Darian had this knack, especially his junior and senior year. He had other things off the field that ended up being the reason why he didn't work out in college. But um, it, every time he, he touched the ball, it felt like he had the potential of going for 70 and a touchdown. <laughs> Jeez. And that's what it felt like every time I was watching Todd Butch's highlights. It was like, oh, an, another one? <laughs> and he had 36 <laughs> touchdowns total in 27 games in his high school career. Holy crap. 36 in 27 games. That's unreal, man. So this kid can really, he has a nose for the end zone and he seemingly busts off a 40, 50, 60 yard gainer every single time that he's on the field. So he's, he's really fun. And I think he's like 
quite a bit better than the other running back that they took in this class. I wouldn't be surprised if Taj Bus sees the field next year. Oh, I think he yes. might be in that Elijah Young type of a role mm-hmm. where you're not seeing him significant snaps, but they try to get him touches kind of manufactured whenever they're up or down by quite a bit. Darian Miller ended up at Kansas, right? Yeah. Poor choice. Poor choice. Well, one of many. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the other kind of, I don't want to say mystery, but like kind of the the weirdest signing is the lone two star from this mm-hmm. class, uh, in, in Realist George, and his 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 I think his adventure is kind of partly playing into this, but starting as a fullback, moving to defensive tackle, what is what's he going to bring to the 2021 Mizzou football team? I think he's the best story in this class, uh, from what I've read about these guys so far. So. If you don't know the background, Realis George was the number one high school fullback in the country in 2018. Like they, they don't rank fullbacks as four or five stars typically, so he was a three-star recruit, but he was among the top prospects in the country, the number one prospect in the country at his position, right? He committed to Miami in 2018. He spent 2018 and 2019 with the Hurricanes. He committed, though, originally to play for Mark Richt. And Rick retired after after the 2018 season. They changed the offense. He basically is no longer involved in the offense. They don't really use fullbacks a whole lot. And when they do, they use somebody else who was a walk-on. He decides, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here. This, this is not for me. I think everybody can kind of understand that. Different coach, different system. Uh, didn't end up working out for him there for a lot of different reasons, clearly. He ends up deciding that he's going to transfer to Independence Community College for the 2020 season. He also changed positions. From fullback to defensive tackle. When he was a high school recruit, he weighed 245 pounds. He's now up to 295. (laughs) So the film of him at Independence is super limited because they basically didn't have a season this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was really affected by that, of course, because he hasn't played defensive tackle, defensive line for three years now since high school. And he was 50 pounds lighter whenever he played defensive <laughs> line in high school. So it's, yeah. it's impossible almost to know what he's going to be at Mizzou. Uh, that's why I find him so fascinating, man. When I watched, So I watched a little bit of his high school film. He lined up all over the place. He played linebacker. He played DN, D-tackle. He was everywhere. And he was a stud. Like, this dude was unbelievably athletic. He lined up on one play at middle linebacker and ended up just, like, completely unblocked. <laughs> and had like a Jadeveon Clowney type of play oh, on the yes. running back where he just destroyed him in the hole. Um, oh, he's a lot God. of fun to watch in high school. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what he's going to be in college. I have no idea now because he's a totally different body at a different position. And it's been three years since the last time that we saw him get significant snaps at any position. Yeah. So will he be good at Mizzou? I have no clue. Can he provide a body though? I, I think so. Yeah. I think if they need a little bit of depth next year, uh, I think he's a guy that can give that to him because he's got the skills, he's got the talent. We know that. He was a three-star, number one fullback in the country. He's athletic. Can he be really good on the defensive line? Does he has, have the hand placement? Does he have the moves defensively? Does he have a pass rush plan? That stuff I can't answer because there is no film of him doing any of that. Um, But he is one of, in my opinion, the most interesting stories for Mizzou going into next year. And, God, if he hits, man, that's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) So we've got 21, possibly 
little bit more guys coming in. Let's let's take the JUCOs out. So let's not talk about Daniel Robledo. Let's not talk about Mr. George. Uh, let's not talk about Shamar Pearl, whether he signs or not. Of the freshman BK, you mentioned Dalen Carnell could see some playing time. You mentioned Taj Butts could see some playing time. Probably Tyler Macon too. But let's let's expose ourselves to some cold takes a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> the potential for it. Uh, which freshman gets starting reps? Which freshman from this class gets starting reps? It's really interesting, man. Um, so I'm going to go with Ryan Horsecamp. Okay. I, I'm going to say like two tight end starting reps. Is that fair? Because like yes. a lot of the, I, yeah. I don't think any of these guys, when they line up on the field, if they are in a base formation offensively or a base formation defensively, I, I honestly don't know if any of these guys are going to be true starters. But like Dalen Carnell, I think could come in in sub packages. Uh, I think Ryan Horskamp will be in in some of the packages offensively. It wouldn't surprise me if you see Dominic Lovett at punt returner. Uh, but offense, defense, who's going to be the guy that finishes the year with, like, the most snaps, let's say? I think it's going to be Ryan Horsecamp. I'll, I'll go ahead and put my okay. stamp of approval on him. I, th- I think he's good enough to come in and play right away. Okay. See, I'm, I'm sitting here and thinking, okay, I know that, like, John Jones was talking about how the, the coaches are already talking, and he's a he's a defensive end prospect who signed. He's already saying, like, the coaches won him at um, at the buck or stand-up rush-in mm-hmm. hybrid thing. I'm thinking, you know, Kyron Montgomery is a little big for kind of that, that buck rush-in, but he seems to be the most talented of the pass rushers, and he pass is. rushing seems to be the biggest need. I don't know if he pushes Hansford or Jeffcoat or anything like that, but I'm wondering if, like, as the year goes on, he – siphons away some starting level snaps from from something like that you know i i think that's probably a pretty good one to go with um from the guys that i watched i think he's the most ready of the non-college guys right like robledo i i think he could come in and play i don't think he's going to be like a significant factor but i think he can come in and play right away as a depth type of a player and i think you could get probably pretty similar production uh to what you saw from chris turner um, mm-hmm. I, I think he can kind of replace that role, if you will. I think Kyron Montgomery, though, of the guys that I watched, is probably the one that is most ready to play college football today. That being said, I haven't watched a ton of Arden Walker. I'm going to be honest, just because yeah. like, I didn't know that he was for sure going <laughs> to uh, sign with Mizzou. Yeah. Arden Walker might be that guy, you know? He he, he could very well end up being that player because he's a little bigger than Kyron, Walker as, or Kyron Montgomery as well, mm-hmm. about 10 pounds heavier. So... I don't know how to compare those two guys, but Kyron Walker of the guy, uh, Kyron Montgomery rather of the guys that I've seen is probably the one. I don't think I I, I would not go with Jones. He, okay. he, I, I yeah. don't think he's going to be the guy that plays right away. Yeah, and he's six four two thirty five and a little lighter, a little less heralded than than his uh, his uh, other peers. But yeah, I'm just I don't know. I'm curious. I, I'm whenever you you hear these questions, and I always think, okay, what's what's the position of need? Corner pass rusher receiver and so i'm thinking you know love it might work his way into starting level reps i mean he's going up against you got dove probably starting on the outside next year knox will be probably starting in the slot 
Lovett's more of a slot guy, but we got to specify on Lovett, by the way. There's another Lovett. Zach You're right, Lovett. <laughs> Dominic Lovett and Zach Lovett, who's the one of the linebackers. Too many Lovetts. Mm-hmm. You love he, it to he, see it. By the way, Zachary Lovett hits. That dude hits people hard. <laughs> I Good. I don't know if he knows where he's going all the time, but he hits people really hard. <laughs> it's like it's like that. Uh, any picture you see, like a, a dog with a giant stick trying to go across a bridge. It's like I'm not going anywhere, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I have no idea what to make. Damian Wilson, um, this other linebacker, I don't know what to make of his film, man. I don't know if he's like really good or his competition's really bad, but he's all over the field. I've that's the problem with some of these highlights is you just you don't know what the competition is that they're going up against. Uh but he's fun. He's fun to watch. Uh, another guy I, I should mention, Connor Tollison, the offensive lineman out of Jackson. He's really interesting. He is physical as hell, dude. Like, super <laughs> physical. And again, this goes back to I don't know what the competition is that he's going up against because he's in Jackson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. If the competition's any good that he's going up against, he could play pretty quick. He really could. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's going up against right now. So, real quick, Keens Mountain, North Carolina, which is where Damian Wilson hails from, that's a that's the Charlotte metro area. So I'm assuming the competition's oh, pretty good. I mean, I don't. I know nothing about Charlotte, North Carolina high school football, but I have to imagine larger metro areas have better athletes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. To your Tolleson point, he's a really interesting kid. I, I and I think Dave Matter pointed this out too. I I'm sad that I didn't get to tweet it first because I've been thinking about this for a while. I can't think of the last Missouri recruit who had such a diverse recruiting profile and here's what i mean on rivals he is a 5.53 star now you and i have talked about middling totally fine yeah we've talked about this before that's that's a good player that's a player who could start day one probably won't but could that's a 5.53 star 247 has him as a four star Rivals has him as the 16th best player in Missouri. 247 has, has him as the second. Like. And the 20th overall tackle in the country. Like, what are, why? <laughs> Who Who's seen what and why aren't they talking to each other? Like, it just seems very odd to me. Yeah, this, this goes back to what I said. Like, if I knew what the competition was that he was going up against, if it's good, if it, it let's, let's go down that hypothetical scenario, right? He, he's playing against quality opponents. That dude's good, like yeah. really good, because he yeah. is bullying them on a consistent basis to the degree where I felt bad for some of the defensive linemen that he was going up against. <laughs> I mean, it it is impressive yeah. what he does to these individuals. But if he's playing like seven-man football against guys that are going to be um, studying chemistry next year, <laughs> maybe that's a little bit of a different – evaluation right so it it becomes really difficult to know okay how good are these guys and when you don't know how good they are it's hard to know for sure how good he is but if if we get reports out of spring camp if he i don't i don't remember if he's one of the guys that's um he's he's enrolling early yeah okay if we get reports out of spring camp that he's really impressing it's not going to surprise me at all so i'm looking this up because I, i i am desperate to know what his competition was um, I know that Jackson High School won their first state championship this year. I'm just looking up. Okay, so they are class five. 
Class five so in Missouri good. is not like the biggest. Class six is the biggest, but it's pretty dang good. So it would be like you St. Louis folks, if you know MICDS, Jackson is the class above that. Um like they played Blair Hickman Oaks. this year. Columbia Hickman. Yep, that's my old they played alma mater. Mm-hmm. So like DeSmet and Ray Moore Peculiar, St. Louis, Kansas City guys. That's class six. Jackson is right below that. So it's legit competition. Now it's Missouri high school football. I understand that. But he's not like um, Windsor, Missouri, class one, right? <laughs> this isn't eight-man football like what Justin Britt uh, grew up playing. This is legit competition, and he is kind of in two different analyses from two different groups. And that's that's just really weird to me. I, I Again, I don't follow this stuff closely, but I can't remember the last time I looked at a Missouri football recruit's profile and seen that stark of a difference. Yeah, it's really interesting, and he's – I'm, I'm telling you, like you said, he's a he's a really interesting profile in terms of what he can be because on one side, basically, what they're telling you is, hey, this guy can come in and contribute right away. The other side's telling you, ah, eh, might be a little bit of a project, and maybe yeah. two, three years he could be a starter for you. Yeah. And those are very, very different evaluations, like near polar opposite ends of what the player could potentially be at the next level. And all of these things on an individual basis can be a crapshoot. This is what we talked about recently, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved that Eli Drinkwitz, by the way, basically admitted, like, yes, <laughs> recruiting rankings matter. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it on an individual basis, there's no reason why let's, – let's go in this class, right? Damian Wilson, the linebacker that I was talking about earlier from North Carolina. There's no reason why on an individual basis he can't be a better player – in his college career than Travion Ford, who is the highest rated Mizzou recruit Mm -hmm. defensive end out of St. Louis. No reason. But overall, I would take the group of Macon, Ford, Carnell, Montgomery, love it. Those five, four stars over the five lowest rated recruits that Missouri has in this class. And that's why recruiting rankings matter is because Mm -hmm. in the conglomerate, in the, in the total, that's, that's where you can kind of, rank and determine where the better piece of your recruiting class is going to come from. That's why it matters that they got five four stars in this class, because you Mm -hmm. you would expect that at least one or two of them for sure will hit. Absolutely. So it's, it's been a hell of a day getting these new kids in. It's always exciting. It's a college football, Christmas, Hansa, Kala Kwanzaa, whatever the mashup of all the holiday uh, winter holidays are. But, uh, they got them signed. They're going to be on campus. A good chunk of them are going to be on campus in January. The rest are going to be coming in the fall. We have to find out their numbers and their weights and their positions and all the inter- interesting stuff that they interview them about during camp. Later on, BK, we have a team in front of us. And what's unique in this year is that a chunk of those seniors can come back next year if they want. And I know it's, oh, we're used to these guys. It's not as exciting. But it is kind of interesting, at least, that a player who's been here for, you know, four to five years already can't come back and keep playing. So I guess my question for you is, you know, we would would all like Larry Roundtree to stick around. He's not going to. But of the seniors, which do you think are going to stick around and which do you want to stick around to play for next year? right away and I think everybody as you asked me that question if you're listening right now you probably had this thought Kobe Whiteside's the one immediately he's got to come back right he was hurt most of this season it just it went seven different ways to, sideways he's a really good player 
wants to improve his stock potentially for the NFL. Kobe Whiteside's the first guy that comes to mind for me. Is that the same for you? Yep, same. So from there, it gets a little bit more difficult. I would probably stick at the same position. Markel Lutze is the other guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up coming back or Akil Byers. I think those are probably, because earlier today, Drinkwitz said he thinks a couple, a few, I don't remember exactly what the phrasing was, of the defensive linemen that are seniors are expected to return next year. Mm-hmm. So I would think Whiteside is one of those guys, and I would think at least one of Utsi or Byers would be the other. You think that's probably right? I do, and for Whiteside in particular, I think you nailed it. High expectations coming into the season, preseason All-SEC, and then he's injured what Tennessee game I want to say is when he got injured and he's just he just hasn't played since then and if you're trying to make it in the league and whether you are or not if you get preseason SEC hype it'd be really nice to cash that in and have a couple cracks at a practice squad or something like that once you graduate he's not going to get that this year not because you know of the 50 odd snaps that he's played so he he should come back I think we talked about this in the offseason. He's not the prototypical size for a defensive tackle. But if he's got the disruption and he can show that, especially with the reinforcements that Missouri is getting um, from this this season going into next year and another year in the system, I just I feel like it's the best for him. Markel Lutze has stepped up and done okay. I don't know what his goals are. If he's just like, hey, I was just here to get my degree and peace out, then like, cool, that that's fine. But if he wants to translate this into an opportunity in the NFL as well, then yes, I think it would be in his best interest. Byers confuses me <laughs> because he's so he should be so much better than he is. And I don't know if you know he's been here four years. Are we really gonna get anything else out of him in a fifth year? Like, I'm not gonna say no to him, but what good is it gonna do for him? probably not a whole lot other than he just wants to play football for another year. You know, like there's nothing wrong with just being like, you know what? It's my last opportunity to play football. I'm never going to do it again. I want one more year of it. I got no issue with that, especially if they're letting you play for free, (laughs) you know? So God bless if you get another year towards a more significant degree than what you otherwise would. A lot of these guys come from places where that's, not something that everybody in that area ends up being able to do. So if he wants to take advantage of it, more power to him, man. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the guys. The guys that we know for sure are coming back are Brooks, McKinnis, and Wilson. And the other two players that I would add to this list that I would like to see back are Chisholm and Mayetti, the two grad transfers. Yes. Chisholm, of course, receiver. Mayetti on the offensive line. So I think you see probably two of those defensive tackles that we just discussed with Whiteside, Utsi, and Byers. And then I would love to see Chisholm and Mayetti back, which is not something I expected to say about six weeks ago on Chisholm, <laughs> but I definitely believe yeah. that now. So here's the thing. Yes, I do think Chisholm needs another year of seasoning at the SEC level. If he could maintain the growth over these past couple games, maintain that through the offseason and translate that into next a full season next year, oh my God, that would be great. Also, we need the receivers. Please help. I want to be honest. I want Jersey Mike to stick around. I think Maietti's been great on the offensive line. Asking him to stay makes me feel a little bad, makes me feel a little slimy because I'm not an NFL guy. You know this. I don't I can't figure out who's going to work and who's not. 
but I kind of feel like he could probably get a gig in the NFL based off of what he did this did this year. And now I kind of feel bad that I want him to stick around. Am I completely off in that thought? I've heard no NFL draft buzz about him, so really? I wouldn't feel bad about that. Okay, um, good, good. Not not to say that he's not going to be an NFL player, but I have not heard anything about him being like a highly sought after prospect. So okay. I don't think that would be a reason to feel bad. No, I think you're I think you're okay, man. I just know that he is a PFF yeah. darling. And that they're kind of weird at the college ranks. I understand that. So I was just like, man, he's he's grading really well. And he, he did so at Rutgers. He's doing so now. And I'm like, he should go get that money. But, yeah, if you're if he's not getting any buzz at all, yeah, man, we'd love to have you back. We need another center. We need uh, a couple more years to season the rest of our guys to get them ready. And I don't think Indoma Ogar plays center. I think he's I guard. He, I think he he's has guard. in the past. He's more of a guard. So, like, yeah, I don't know who would take over if he left. So, yeah, bring Jersey Mike back then. I feel better about that. I'd love to see another year with 55. I, and middle. it's very clear that Eli Drinkwitz would love to have him back. So much so that he said it publicly, it I think, very no vocal. fewer than 20 times. <laughs> so, yes, I agree. And, by the way, did agree, you hear what yeah. um, Connor Bazelek said about him? Uh, I know they're roommates. What uh, what specifically are you saying? <laughs> so, Bazelek, if, if you haven't seen any of the interviews with Bazelek, he is a – what you see on the field is who he is. He is very calm, very collected, <laughs> mm-hmm. very measured, right? And so in one of the interviews, they asked him, this was after Eli Drinkwood said publicly, hey, we would love to see my Eddie back next year. I, I've been talking with him about it every day, right? <laughs> they asked Basilek, like, hey, would you like to see Michael Mayetti back next year? <laughs> Basilek's response was basically, yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be good for him. He uh he's been winning, so why wouldn't he want to be back? He didn't do a whole lot of that at Rutgers. <laughs> Yo, Connor, <laughs> we don't say that part out loud, sir. <laughs> Which is just tremendous. I love everything about that because, uh... it, like, I don't think Basil like meant anything by it. I think he's just like a pretty dry dude, and he was just like, yeah, like. Yeah. What do you mean? We're winning, so of course he wants to be back. He didn't do much of that before, and now he is, so why would he leave? And I think he was serious. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a position of need, and he's done great, so I would I would certainly take that. Please, Chisholm, come back. Please come back. <sighs> yeah, you need you need another year, man. Show Who's us what you play can outside do? of Chisholm and Hazleton aren't back? If neither yeah. of them back, uh, well, Dove and Abrams drain outside. Yeah, who else are you? Uh, barring the fact that we get a JUCO or a transfer, your options are Barrett Bannister, Javian Hester, Jay Macklin. I guess Dominic Lovett too, but yeah, he's more of know. a slot receiver too. What about? I, I think it's Abrams drain. Hester take a step. I mean, can he? Yes. He's come in at the end of blowouts and not really gotten any targets, so I don't... God, I thought he was going to be so good. I, I thought know. he was going to be... He's a freshman. He could still could He could still, still be good. Be. Um, he can st- And he's going to be a freshman next year. It's great. I... Oof. Chisholm. <laughs> We're going to need you to stay another... Chris Abrams' drain is you to stay. buck 80, dude, soaking wet. I know. Well, Hester's 
Well, Hester's taller, Hester's but he's 6'3". also three. Yeah. He's skinnier. Yeah, but he's... It's more he's to break. Three. Chris Abrams' drain is 5'11 okay. and 175. Like... Jeez. At least Chris Abrams' drain has been on the field as a corner. I saw him playing uh, against Georgia briefly. So he's he's seen the field. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of dire uh, at the receiver position, and we don't have any tall dudes. So Chisholm, you need to come back, my man. man maybe I'm be underestimating. It. I love Michael Wilson. I'm love its ability to get on the field next year. <laughs> right, they're all built the same. That's yeah. the problem. Well, Hester's a little taller, but Lovett, Macklin, and Drain are all basically same height and weight. Dove is the one that really stands above them. Yeah, Dove, Dove is, is going to play every snap Bannister. next year. He has I mean, to. He's, he's he has among to. the most important players on the offense. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> they can't, they can't mm-hmm. lose him. He's really important. He needs to eat his Wheaties and run yeah. a lot this offseason because he's going to he's he's get, get so usage. many targets next year. God, it's going to be great. But yeah, you know, speaking of targets, we still got some targets to hand out this year because we got Mississippi State this week. All this recruiting talk. And I damn near forgot we had Are a you game worried? on Saturday. I yeah, am too. I am. I don't like this game at all. I did the dive on the preview. Like I just I just wrote it this afternoon. I'm not happy. I am actually sad. Mississippi State is a like a very similar version of Missouri where the offense stinks in long stretches of time and the defense was pretty good and got just gassed a couple times. They are they are eerily similar, except, you know, Mike Leach wants to throw it every play. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Eli Drinkwitz is a little bit more nuanced in his play call. But other than that, they're basically the same except team. Except that they play in the SEC I, West and the coin flip games didn't go their way. Yeah. That's it. They didn't. They didn't. Their strength of schedule is fifth I mean, in the they, country. They, and Missouri's is fourth. Arkansas by but, seven. You know, they lost mm-hmm. to Georgia. Lost by to Georgia seven, by seven. Lost to Mississippi by seven. Mm-hmm. And then lost two possession yep. games against both Auburn and Texas A&M. I mean, this is not, I, I know their record yeah. is two and seven. This is not a team that you're just going to be able to roll over. No, no. SP Plus sees this team as more of a four win team. And where's Missouri at? Five wins. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a pretty evenly matched game. And it's on the road in Starkville. Now, I know that it's like it's not going to be the cowbells acclaiming like it usually is, but, uh, you know, we've, we've got the victory against South Carolina on the road, but this is not going to be easy. And especially, I know Drinkwood said the defensive line is thin and he's happy that they like to throw it a lot, which, yes, but our secondary is a bunch of freshmen. <laughs> so I don't, I really don't feel good about this game, my man. Did you see the injury report, man? It's bad. It's Wears really out. Bad. Missouri has a ton of players out for or out or like questionable at best for this game defensively, mm-hmm. like starters. I mm-hmm. I am very very worried about this in a way that I hoped that I wouldn't have to be. It's it's not great. So Tyree Gillespie's we, out we, in this one. Ugh, this, I know. This hurts. We get to see Jelani Williams. Well, we saw him last week face guard a bunch of dudes so mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna miss gillespie but the let me let me try and spin this positively something that i usually don't do um gillespie is way way more effective in run defense now obviously he's good against the pass but we we don't need a thumper this game we need a bunch of coverage guys and you know as long as you're dropping eight and getting some kind of semblance of a pass rush which 
it's not guaranteed, but you can you can beat a leech team by just clouding the field with dudes in zone and making I think it's gonna be Will Rogers, the quarterback, find the right read. And I'm I feel confident that Jelani Williams can do that. Um, I'm not sure if Mason Pack can, which I know he's he's kind of playing gonna be seeing some extended snaps as well. But um yeah, hope you like to see Tyler Jones and Stacy Brown because they are they are thin in the secondary. Holy cow. It's getting pretty light back there. And last week, listen, this is a Nick Bolton appreciation podcast. Uh, we, we love the gentleman. He is fantastic. He's going to be a awesome player in the NFL. He was clearly hurt last week. He he was not himself. He didn't look like himself at any point. And that's not just because it was a lopsided victory for Georgia. He was hobbled. And we saw that, I think it was early in the Arkansas game, where he kind of mm-hmm. went down he got a rolled up on with his, yep. I think it was like a knee ankle, something like that. Uh, he got it retaped up quickly and then came right back out on the field. Cause he's a warrior. He, he didn't look himself against Georgia and I'm hopeful that the week potentially was enough for him. But man, if he's not at like truly 100% in this game, I don't know how Missouri gets a lot of stops in this one. Like, they can get some because that's just how it goes with Mike Leach offenses sometimes. They incomplete on first down, incomplete on second down, five-yard pass, boom, they're punting. <laughs> that, that's going to happen in this game at some point. Yeah. But putting stringing together multiple I, multiple stops defensively, it, it's going to be tough with the personnel yeah, the they good, have. The good news is that their their offense is not good. Like they're, They are one of the worst teams, worst offenses at going three and out. Uh, 37% of the time they go three and out. That is 114th in the country. They do not get a lot of explosive plays. They do not have a lot of successful plays. The only way they do it is they break one. One play breaks, and it goes for like 80. And that's how they score. If they're within the red zone, they are terrible. 125th within the inside the 10. Uh, 85th in the country was inside the 15. Like They don't function well in the red zone. They need big plays to score. Otherwise, they settle for a field goal. You know I've been harping on Eli Drinkwitz and finishing your drives. You know Missouri is averaging 4.1 points per scoring opportunity, 72nd in the country. Mississippi State's averaging 3.5, 112th. Um, so if they are not hitting on a big play, they are settling for a field goal. So there is hope, but again, with the injuries and the untested depth, like, this could be a game where they get right and start hitting four, five, six big plays. And, oh, by the way, now we're down 10, 14, 17, something like that. Can I tell you why that doesn't mean a whole lot to me right now? Why is that? Here's their schedule. Kentucky, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn. That's their last six games. Mm-hmm. And then Vandy was thrown in there as well, so I, I skipped over them because, you know, Vandy. Um, <laughs> but that's six of their last seven those are six really good defenses. I guess mm-hmm. Ole Miss is just okay, but five at least really good defenses <laughs> that they've gone up against. Man, I I I don't judge them based on what they did against those teams. I'll judge them a little more based on what they did against Ole Miss. Um, Vandy's not a real Power 5 team. Uh, what they did against LSU. Um, those are more the games that I'm going to look towards. They scored 24 on Ole Miss. They scored 44 on LSU, but I know that beginning of the year, almost entirely different teams. But 
scoring 24 against Mizzou, 27, maybe 30, that, that wouldn't shock possible. me at all. That wouldn't shock it's me at all. Yeah. Especially after what we've seen recently from Mizzou's defense. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have to be the Larry show. He's going to have to get going, and Bazelak's going to have to test them deep. This this defense is really is pretty good, like way more talented than what you would think uh, Mike Leach defense can be. But these are a lot of holdovers from like the Joe Moorhead era, the Dan Mullen era. Some of these guys have been have been around that long. And they're pretty good, and they'll they'll stop you on you know standard downs. Their their weakness is giving up big plays through the air, and that's not really something that Bazelak has shown that he can consistently do, just because we don't have. Reliable receivers on the outside. So if Kiki Chisholm ever wanted to have a big game, a bigger game than what he did against Arkansas, you too, Damon Hazleton, this is this is it. Go deep, get open, burn these guys. I've got my fingers crossed, man. They've given up 21 plays this year of at least 30 yards in the passing game. 21 plays of at least 30 yards. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's wild. The only team that's yeah. been worse this year in the SEC is LSU. They've given up 29 <laughs> of them. They <laughs> this, don't have a defense. <laughs> this is wild, man. LSU this year has given up 12 pass plays of at least 50 yards. The next closest in the conference is South Carolina with six. Sorry, I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest. They've literally doubled up the second worst defense in the SEC at giving up massive pass plays. Anyways, I digress. Um, Missouri was two of them. Haha, <laughs> take that. Exactly, exactly. It, it. I wish I felt better going into this game, but I don't. Vegas is indicating that I feel correctly about that because I'm seeing this as a one point line in favor of basically Mizzou. a toss up. Yeah, yeah. It, it's essentially a toss up. Seventy four percent of people are picking Mizzou in this one. Oh, stop it! I I think I would lean Mizzou's way, but I have very little confidence in this one. Man, it's it's going to come down to the wire, and I'm, it's going to be very, very uncomfortable. And, of course, it's on the SEC alternate channel where everything goes to die. So uh, why not? That's fine. I just – yeah, this is not good. And what here's the thing. I feel like there's going to be a noticeable group of Missouri fans who think that Mississippi State isn't any good. And when – you know, if a loss were to happen, it's going to just – sour them on on the whole thing and like the thing is is that missouri and mississippi state are equally good teams they're almost mirror images of each other despite the fact that they do things in different ways these are two of the same caliber teams and when that happens and you're on the road regardless of whether COVID or not it's just tougher to win on the road and missouri especially with all their injuries if this was a full strength missouri team yeah maybe i'd say yeah they can they can win especially by three. defensively they can win by yeah. Seven. yeah now i just i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard Mississippi State's injury or COVID issues, so who knows what's going to happen. But it's going to be just uncomfortable all day. It'll come down to the wire, and you know, I'll say Missouri wins by like three or four, but it's not going to be fun. I can t- I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I mean, we also know Mizzou's troubles on the road, just in general, right? Over the yeah. last couple of seasons, I mean, last year was a disaster going on the road, and then this year. Mm-hmm. They did beat South Carolina. Nice victory there, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't pretty. And I think you could see something similar in terms of nobody's going to feel great about it, but they get the win nonetheless, and that's all that matters <laughs> in this one. Um, yeah. But if they do get a win, they, 
they really could get a nice bowl out of it. So I'm yeah. I'm hopeful that they're able to pull this one off because it could propel them into an even bigger bowl game than what they otherwise would, although they would probably get destroyed in that game. But neither here nor there. You get, <laughs> you get to go have fun in Tampa Bay or something, and that's always a good time. Okay, pin in the in the bowl conversation because well, I want to get to that. But I think, yeah, Vegas says one. SP Plus says Mississippi State by .06 points. Um, so what is awesome. your what are your what, what's your prediction? What what does this game end up being? I I will go ahead and take Mizzou twenty six to twenty three. Mizzou wins it. Disgusting. In the end disgusting i like it <laughs> i'm thinking like 28 27 yes yeah, thicker like knocks that. one home at the at the last second you know like just by the how do you get to 28 team. with thicker winning it at the end you're disgusting magic <laughs> so here's how you do safety it. there was a safety in there that's what it was you get a safety yeah you get a couple field goals you get a safety get a touchdown like yeah it can happen it can happen I just I have no confidence in, in enjoying this game, and uh, I'll be really excited when it's over. Speaking of no confidence and being exciting when it's over, bowl game. <clears throat> I am getting closer and closer to not wanting to play a bowl game. <laughs> Why? And here's here's the thing. I know it's like oh, but the practices, oh, guys, it's December sixteenth. <laughs> It's like the four week. practices you were gonna get have I've been happening all month. Okay, like this ain't there's no benefit to those anyway. They're gonna be the coaches spring ball in a month. <laughs> yes, it, literally within a month. Like literally the 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 players who are signing today are gonna be on campus in within three weeks. Okay, like it. We're not even done with our. Okay, so the practices bunk. They're not happening. Yes, if the players want to play, let me let me get to that in front of this first. If the players want to play. I'm all for it. And I know Drinkwitz wants to play, so cool. I That's not what I'm saying. I just feel like if the opponents that are available, and you rattled them off to me last night, like North Carolina State, North Carolina proper. Um, I forget the other ones, but like... Miami, I, I think, was one. Iowa. Miami? Like, no. No. I don't want this team to have to travel to Florida, to Tampa, and get beat by Iowa. Like, no. I don't... This is a fine season. It, whatever happens against Mississippi State, honestly, I don't care. This has been a great season. I don't want an additional game and an additional possible loss because I just I don't feel like with the injuries and COVID that Missouri could feel the full team and even be competitive, you know? So here's why I disagree with you, uh, Nate Edwards. Bowl games are fun. It, like, if they lose 31-3, to who cares? But what if they win? What if Missouri goes to Tampa Bay, plays in the Outback Bowl, is on ABC in prime time on January the 2nd, and they go out there and they beat Iowa. They beat the hell out of them. They win 31-20. to uh, Connor Basilek's throwing the ball all over the yard. Larry Roundtree has a great game, finishes with another three touchdowns. What if that happens? We've seen crazier things, man. Weird yeah. stuff happens in bowls. And some of the teams we're talking about had much, much, much higher aspirations than going to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville on January the 2nd and playing against Mizzou, you know? Yeah. So, like, if if North Carolina, for instance, or Miami 
were to go to one of those games, do you think that they're going to be super interested in playing against Mizzou? I don't think so. Well, probably so, not. No. The, they're still more talented. They would clearly be the better team. I just told you about how I'm worried about Mississippi State. Obviously, Mizzou would be a significant underdog against any of these teams that we're talking about. <laughs> but yes. bowl season typically, and especially in 2020, is not about any of that. It's just to have some fun and for these kids to be able to go down to Tampa or Jacksonville, get a little bit of sun, go to the beach for a little while, and chill out, play another football game with their buddies for the last time in their college careers. This is already a successful season. Nothing that happens with any of those games would change any of that. So I, I'm all for it. And I love the fact that they could potentially get a pretty good bowl this year. I'm in. If they get a good bowl, okay, that, that changes it a little bit because there's some prestige behind that regardless of the season. So I, I am with you on that. What that would is... be the bad bowl that you're worried about? Like the Texas Bowl? The armed forces Yes, the bowl. Texas Bowl. God, Texas Bowl where Tigers teams go to die. It's true. I don't think that they're involved in that. I, For, for what it's worth, I, I misspoke. The The armed forces one is the one that they would be involved in potentially. I think that's in Fort Really, the SEC has an armed forces bid? Really? Oh. I, I think that's the one that they're – yeah, it's it's the armed forces SEC bowl in bowl Fort Worth. SEC affiliations. Okay. We've got uh, Citrus Bowl. Outback Bowl. And Citrus Bowl. Texas Bowl. No. Texas Bowl. We do. That is there. At the NERG. Uh, Liberty Bowl. We've done that one before. Music City Bowl. (laughs) Oh, Vegas Bowl. What? Since when? I think that's one that was added this year. Okay. Against the Pac-12 team? Wait. Just kidding. Vegas Bowl has been canceled. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's what it was. I knew I saw some news on that. It was one way or the other. It was 50-50 chance. I got it. The only other option wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Citrus would be against the Big Ten. Outback would be against the Big Ten. Texas would be against the Big Twelve. Liberty's Big Twelve. Music City is against the Big Ten. That was too recent. No, that's right. Music City would be against the Big Ten. Vegas was canceled, but that would be back Pac-12. Belk. We could go Belkin with the ACC. And that's below Gator where Bowl. Be. Yeah, Gator Bowl is ACC, and then Birmingham against an American I or an that. ACC alternate. So, oh, a bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl against ACC. I'm pretty sure I, I read Dave Matter when it looked into this quite a bit, and I think Mizzou, based on where they're at right now, would very likely play in either the Armed Forces Bowl against the Pac-12. That's the one that's down in Fort Worth. Um, mm-hmm. The Gator Bowl or the Outback Bowl. I think those are the three that are most likely for Mizzou right now. So Jacksonville, Tampa, Fort Worth. I'm into all three. If I'm a player, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Those are warm places. <laughs> Missouri right now is very cold. <laughs> well, yeah. If you have fun and don't get COVID, I guess it's all worth it. So, uh, we have gone almost an hour and a half. Long season too, you know. True. As long as as long as they find it a reward, that's that's what I'm really looking for. If they don't want to do it, then don't. But if they're all on board, and I don't drink, is well, let's do it. So, at the hour twenty five mark, are there any? <laughs> last thoughts that we have not touched that you would like to communicate to our listenership no um other than just it's a good day to be a tiger man it's a it's a really good day to be a fan of the missouri tigers eli drinkwitz has this thing headed in the right direction top 20 class Mm -hmm. is absolutely worth celebrating after looking in even more a little deeper into some of these players i hope you got a little something out of our breakdown today there are some really intriguing talents in this class, some guys that can come in and contribute right away. They've got a good mix of different positions that are going to be impactful. 
Um, I, I think they did really, really well. And they did a really good job in particular of recruiting in the state of Missouri, which I will get into more as we kind of get into the offseason. But that's clearly going to be a significant, significant focus for the staff. And it should be. And so that I think they did a really good job. They said that they were going to do certain things, and they did. They recruited Indianapolis. They recruited Missouri. They recruited Denver. They dec- they recruited Texas, and they're they were successful in doing all of the above. So, props to them. Hats off to them. A great day to be a Tiger. Promises delivered. Victories off the field. That's all you can ask for, too. So. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rock Him flagship at Rock Him Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try and do better next time. And until then, from my Z, Z-O-U.